check, 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 check. Hmm. All the checks in the world. Check, check, Why check. Why do you there get we go. Why all do we the check? checks in the world? <laughs> <laughs> the new Nine Inch Nails song. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> you know what? One of the uh, my favorite things to say when I'm doing mic checks or having yeah. someone do mic checks is Dikembe Mutombo. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, I don't know why. There's no like audio technique that's like these syllables and consonants are perfect for fine tuning a microphone. It's just that's a really funny word. Let's see if you can say it. <laughs> it's Sunday, January 24th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 32 of Roll Up and Die. Go for the eyes, boo! Go for the eyes! Rock! We decided a while back that we wanted to watch all the Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff mm-hmm. in chronological order and the timeline. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so of course we kick it off with Captain America because that happens and you know takes yep. place in, during World War II. Right. <clears throat> and right. that's our favorite Avenger. We just love Captain America. Um, but we just started watching Agent Carter, which is oh yeah. Yeah, so it's like a TV series about Agent uh, Peggy Carter. Right. Yeah, I, I love that series. It's awesome. And, it is and actually, so good. Tonight is the premiere of the second season. Really? Okay. Cool. The, see, we're we just started. We yeah. just finished the pilot episode like four minutes ago. <laughs> That's why I'm late to recording because dinner and yeah, Agent Carter. I, I will I will avoid spoilers then. But it's yeah, uh, yeah it's it's a, it's a it's a great series. I yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard that it's uh, really good. And another another one that I haven't delved into yet is Agents of Shield. Um, but I've heard oh, that that awesome. that that's a little up and down. I've heard that it's it starts off a little weak and then gets really good. And then I heard a couple people saying that the most recent season wasn't as awesome. But oh, really? Uh, yeah. See, it, it, inv- it involved the Inhumans, so I I, I really dug oh, it. Oh, and, and I'm to- super going to be down with that then. I yeah, that? And, love and, the Inhumans. Inhumans. What is that? They they well in the Marvel Cinematic Universe they brought in the Inhumans. The the Inhumans were a sm- were a group of of super powered individuals from al- of alien origin. And they brought in, uh, I think they they brought in the Inhumans to replace the X Men, which they don't have license to. So right. uh, not, they 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 needed this this you know thing involved. So uh, so they they kind of they kind of gave the um, the Inhumans a bit more beef than they might have than they had originally. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the one thing I love about the the Agents of Shield is how it ties in to all the movies. Right. You know. So like uh especially when um uh Captain America uh Winter Soldier came out it was uh uh you know and and uh, y- you both seen it right Yeah the, <laughs> yeah but I, I can't speak for the millions of people listening right now <laughs> Well is a is a spoiler alert then because uh oh, no. as 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 it turns out um you know Shield had been was you know basically uh, uh all um, infiltrated by Hydra since the beginning and all this yeah. other stuff. So, yeah. but but it but it car- it carries into the into the show and it, oh, it's just I cool. love how everything ties together. Even after Thor: Dark World, yeah. like the very next episode was, you know, uh, the sh- a shield. They were they were a shield team cleaning up after all the wreckage <laughs> of <laughs> oh, what nice. happened. Then you know they're like That's cataloging awesome. cataloging pieces of rubble from the from the alien ship. You know. <laughs> oh, nice. One of, see, one of the things I really enjoyed reading, this was like circa 2005, 2006, was the Civil War mm. uh, comics, trade yeah. paperbacks. Yeah. And like I've, ne- I've, I've never been huge into superhero comics, you know, not Marvel mm. or DC. Like I, um, there are some things that I really do enjoy, but I never really got into that. But I did read that one trade and really enjoyed mm. it. Yeah. And so now I'm picking up, you know, and, and kind of going to read all of them, right? Because there's a whole series that you can read. And um, one thing that I really like about him is that, you know, the first actually in chronological order is something called the road to civil war. Mm-hmm. And it starts with Thor's hammer crash landing on the earth. And I think it's shield building a base around it to research it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's in the movie Thor. That's yeah, right. exactly. And yeah. It's, it, they've yeah. been pulling from this civil war f- idea for a while. And I just think yeah. that's so cool. It is really cool. 
So, Alex, let me ask you a question, because I wasn't aware sure. that the Inhumans were in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So yeah. is is Black Bolt in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Not yet. Oh, man. Not He's yet. But so uh, cool. <laughs> but the, 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 the cliffhanger at the end of the most recent season... Uh-huh. Um, has has brought up a lot of questions, which I which I won't get into. But uh, um, there's th- things have really changed in in the Inhuman uh, storyline. Okay. So I'll leave it at that. But all right, <laughs> well, yeah, I haven't seen it, so no, I don't care about the listeners. But yeah, not me. Don't spoil it for me. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. But uh, no, I, and and even and even Age of Ultron, they uh, the ep- it was like the episode right before. The release of Age of Ultron. Um, I mean, it led directly into the into the movie. Oh, that's pretty. You cool. know, you know they. It, I think the last line of the movie was, uh, you know, we we better get this. You know, there was information about Sokovia. We better get this to the Avengers. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, and then that goes was, right uh, into the first scene of Age of Ultron. Exactly. That's yeah. Cool. So yeah, and they're just doing a great job of sort of weaving it together. And that's why, even even if Shield, I mean, I I, I like. I've liked all of Shield pretty much, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, some episodes are better than others, but overall, it's 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 solid. Right. But even if it wasn't, it's it's still going to do well because still, of all this yeah. inter interlacing with the movies, right? Right. You know? Yeah. Because people love that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I really. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, Barker. Go ahead. No, no, you go first. I was just going to say I really enjoyed uh, the two Netflix series, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. I thought mm-hmm. were both really, yeah. really good. So. Um, I think I'll probably check out Agents of Shield and Agent Carter. Yeah, I'm really excited Definitely to see worth what it. they do with Star Wars. Because yeah, man, I, I feel gotta like know gonna... that that's happening. Oh yeah, I mean they're you know they have Rebels going right now, which mm-hmm. is you know I I've heard that there are yeah. tie-ins to Force Awakens somewhat, where they're kind of <clears throat> foreshadowing stuff that happens in the Force Awakens and things like that. So awesome. yeah, man, I think that'd be really cool. For sure. And speaking of uh, cinema and movies and things of that nature. Today, we're going to be talking about cinematic techniques in role-playing games. Is that what we called them? Yeah. Baller segue, Barker. (laughs) Very nicely done. (laughs) That was a uh, pro-level, like, six months ago segue when we used to do them real nicely. (laughs) We're back, baby! (laughs) We're back. (laughs) Oh, man. and Yeah, yeah, that's... Let me just... See, I, I nailed the segue, but I need to open up our dang Facebook page. At <laughs> Facebook.com slash roll up and die. At rollup.com slash fruit rollups. <laughs> slash fruit rollups. <laughs> Curl up and die. Oh man. So yes, today's we're talking about flashbacks, monologues, dream sequences, uh, and, and yeah, stuff like that. All that all that stuff. All yeah. that stuff. And I love this stuff. This is yeah. like Oh, this is my my bread and butter. This is yeah. my favorite. I feel like this 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 is the kind of stuff that are, are some of the most powerful tools in the GM arsenal in your GM toolbox. But they're also like weird tools that you should only use for specific mm. purposes. You know, like they're like a yeah. you know I'm not going to use this this uh, you know. I don't even this crowbar to hammer a nail into the wall. I'm going to use it mm. for prying and, and using, you know, this crowbar for what I would use a crowbar for. So yeah. there, there are things that if done incorrectly can really hamper the game. But if they're done correctly, oh, man, they just add so much, so much. It took me well, a little a lot bit of, to, uh, to find out what you were talking about a crowbar for. <laughs> that was that took me a little bit. I was talking about well, can, I get it. I, I need a crowbar to get you know, my players to do what I want them to do, I have to brandish a crowbar at them to try yeah. and make it happen. Listen here. Listen here. I got this crowbar. I'm not afraid to use it. This crowbar. It's the only thing I could find. <laughs> it's just, I had it in my pocket, and that's what I got. Hey, and, and, and like a lot of things, a lot depends on what flavor of game you're running. You know, some people prefer more, I mean, uh, a real cinematic experience where um, it feels more like a movie, and then the other, you know, you, you go down a range where you can get down to using some kind of cinematic aspects uh, more in in how it's structured than you know an actual like a cutscene or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I see, and I okay. So I I don't think there's 
I've never seen a flashback. Let, well, I mean, let's just start in order if you want to. Flashbacks, sure. monologues, dream sequences. And yeah. uh, <clears throat> I've never seen a flashback, flashback <clears throat> done poorly. Um, and that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But <clears throat> you'll have to excuse me. My throat is uh, in revolt. It feels like someone parked a bus in there. <laughs> Not a lot. That's my new favorite analogy. That's <clears throat> courtesy of Tim Carney, I believe, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well done. It's a, it's a solid simile. Um, <clears throat> so one of my reasons that I love flashbacks mm-hmm. is that it always seems like there's, there's always this one person that doesn't get as much, you know, quote-unquote airtime as another player. Right. Uh, maybe they... Did, maybe they're a little more shy or maybe they just maybe you have that other player who's just brash and just always talking like this dice character from the provokers so m- maybe it's just for one reason or another they don't have the spotlight on them very much when you mm. create a scene like a flashback scene which i'm sure we'll talk about a cool immersive way to do that <laughs> without just talking to the players yeah when you create that scene for that one player whether that's like a flashback or a vision or whatever, you are immediately giving them the spotlight. Like this is about Mm -hmm. you. And, but that doesn't make it less fun for any of the other players. Cause it's still kind of a cool sequence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I love that stuff. It's like a spotlight moving around. You you share where you want. All these techniques are, are things that I've only recently, like in the last three or four years started using. So, mm-hmm. like, what's uh, c- can we give an example of how you might use something like a flashback in a D and D game for? I mean, for people that might not be familiar with using, you know, narrative techniques like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I-, I haven't used it in terms of you know uh, inserting a flashback in the middle of of a session, mm-hmm. but what we've had is we have had flashback sessions, right? So. Right. We've, uh, uh, in, in, in my previous campaign, we set, we, uh, uh, we did a one shot that took place, um, you know, 40 years before the events of, of the current campaign in the same area. And it, uh, th- these were, they, they had different characters, but they were, uh, experiencing events that foreshadowed things that were happening in the campaign. And so, right. um, you know, the, the, you can have that kind of flashback, and in that case, um, uh, it, it can be tricky because obviously you don't you don't want to railroad too heavily, but at the same time, you know certain things kind of have to happen, right? Because and and that's and that's the really hard part with any flashback. E- either you're going to sort of write it out uh, and just read it as sort of a, um, uh, what would you call it? Just sort of a uh, an inserted bit of dialogue. Or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Or think, you got to play it out. Yeah, exactly. And I think they're like, you know, I used to have a choose-your-own-adventure when I was a kid, and at the very mm-hmm. end, it always yeah. had the same ending. Like yeah. there weren't different endings, but there are tons of different ways to get there. And I think that's the great way to do a flashback. Mm. You know, like right. make it always. I mean, you're always going to have an ending in the Winds of Cersaline game session two. I think. Uh, was Cassie's character where her childhood home was burning down. And it was all about her escaping the house. And uh, I knew that at the very end she was going to be running through the woods. She was going to be escaping these uh, enemies. But it was up to her to decide which way she would go, whether she was going to go through the front door and have to fight somebody, whether she was going to sneak out the the window, which is what she did, and Mm -hmm. run into the woods. And... um, I, I think I think that you know railroading is kind of okay in terms of a flashback, yeah. As long as you're being descriptive and telling a really cool story, yeah, yeah. And and they kind of have to accept that if they're going into a flashback that there is going to be some level of, um, you know, these things sort of have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I guess the only way around that would be if the 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 players in your campaign or whatever came up to a particular crossroads in the story and maybe you haven't decided what's going to happen next so you have a flashback that might you know decide what happens you know what do they see you know who right. they encounter that sort of thing so you that, you know you might be able to do something like that yeah yeah and i think um i think if you go far far enough back in time mm. it, it matters less 
Right. Sure. You know, it just sure. kind of occurred to me that, you know, if Nymeria could have been taken prisoner during that flashback and it wouldn't have mattered because she'd still, we would just fill in that gap, you know? So, right. Right. Uh, yeah. I well, think, so now uh, who handle who? I was gonna say who handles the flashbacks. I mean, is it is it? Do you, do you think it's better if it's the players who do it, or or if the GM does it? Because I guess it depends on whether it's a uh, unique to that character, right? Or if it's something more more crucial to the overall plot that's going on. The way I've done it in the past is I'll talk to the player privately, you know, a week mm-hmm. or, or two before the game yeah. and say, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, uh, highlighting your character at the beginning of the next session in a little flashback scene. You know, let's work together and come up with some mm-hmm. ideas for that and kind of work with them directly on coming up with a cool idea and then throwing that at them. Or if it, if it gets to the point where I know enough about the characters, I might feel comfortable throwing a flashback scene at them and having it just kind of play out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, uh, Dice is sitting on the end of his bed and his wife, you know, comes up behind him and says, hey, what's wrong? You know, and, and I can just kind of play it out, you know, because I know, mm-hmm. oh, hey, here's this character Dice. He has a wife that's kind of a troubling memory for him. Let's play this out and see how it goes, you know. Yeah. So, but for the most part, I, I get together with them beforehand and, and talk to them about it so that I have at least a little bit of direction on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that the flashback stays true to the character and their idea of the character and, and all of that. You yeah, know? I think, you know, what Matt did in particular when he talked to me about this certain kind of background, and I, I'm not sure if that was the exact flashback, but mm-hmm. is more than anything, it wasn't like, hey, what what flashback should we do? It was more like, Tell me where Dice is from. Tell me yeah. how he feels. Tell me who he knows. And then yeah. Matt just put that in the flashback. So, mm-hmm. And I got to play with it and decide how I would respond to certain things. So I think that's a super big benefit of a flashback <clears throat> is exploring a character that is mm-hmm. relatively unexplored. Mm-hmm. And in that case, Matt, you, you, you nailed it when you said you can just say, hey, uh, here, your your flashback time. You're going through this. What do you do? And right. then it doesn't matter what happens because it's a flashback yeah. that's that far in the past, and you learn a lot about the character at hand. So I throw a few of those yeah. out uh, every once in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And and a and a character development flashback is a lot easier in a lot of ways because, as you say, it kind of doesn't matter what happens in it because all they have to really do is survive whatever yeah. the story is. Because <laughs> yep. you, oh, you die know, in your flashback. Oh no. <laughs> You right, disappear right. from existence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as long as they survive the flashback and it doesn't alter the the basic sort of backstory that's already been established, then then you have a lot of latitude. It's when you have flashbacks that relate to the like I said, the the, the world around you and the plot that it gets yeah. tricky. And so, you know, that that's and that's obviously where the GM is gonna be more the one sort of um guiding the flashback in that case. Yeah. Yeah. Another another thing that uh, is a cool technique that I've seen you use, Barker, is um, having all of the players involved as essentially cast members in a flashback. Mm. So you have, you know, a flashback centered around a person's character, and the rest of the players who are not playing their characters take the roles of people in that flashback. So, hey, you're playing his brother, you're playing the guy that walks in the shop, you're playing the barkeeper in this flashback or something like that. And that was something that you did in Winds of Sir Celine Barker uh, for a flashback for Tim's character. And you talked to us beforehand. You didn't just spring it on us. You said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And that was really cool because, I don't know, that was kind of fun to like kind of be involved in another character's backstory to a certain extent, you know, and kind of play up what was happening there and... And that that worked so well for a it couple did, reasons. It did. I think the first reason was you guys are just great role players. The second thing was it was, you know, me saying, you know, you're his brother, you're all his brothers or whatever, and you pick on him all the time for being a bard and not and being a warrior. And that's just what we did. Yeah, and I was like, and that's that's all I gave him, and then and they just ran with it, and it's like, oh my mm-hmm. god, I'm taking yeah. notes like the speed of light, like, geez, this is a brilliant story. Yeah. So, so we just walk in. Yeah. Plucking on your loot again, you know, just like, oh, okay, I can do this. <laughs> I, I kind of felt bad for Tim. <laughs> it's just like I play role playing games to escape reality, and all of a sudden, everyone's making fun of him inside the role playing game. <laughs> oh God! 
<laughs> not here, Parker, not here. This is my safe place. <laughs> but that was fun. I actually, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that worked out really well. No, it was really mm. cool. And, you know, obviously you have to have, you know, you take the temperature of your group and figure out if that's going to work with your group. You might have a, a group of players that aren't interested in participating that just want to, you know, kind of watch it, you know, unfold. Nah, just uh, do it. <laughs> just yeah. make them. Just, just go for it. But anyway. Yeah, that's, a, that, that's interesting. I think the, the really cool part about that is that, you know, sometimes you don't realize that you want to play another character yeah. until you are asked to. And then you're like, yeah. oh, man, this is cool. Oh, cool. I this get to fun. try out something else. I get to <laughs> yeah. be outside the box again. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like Alex was saying, where everyone's playing, you know, characters from his world's past and, uh, yeah. you know, directly affecting the campaign, but, you know, much, much earlier. That's a really, really cool idea as well. And kind of in the same vein where everyone's well, kind of playing different characters. Well, and it's a useful thing to have around in case, like, maybe one of your players can't show up for a campaign and you don't want to oh, go yeah. forward. Hey, we'll we'll do a one shot, but we're going to tie this one shot into the world. Exactly. So it's not just a, it's not just a random one shot. It's a one shot that actually adds to your to your overall story. Right, so you might yeah. as well might, you might you know you might as well do that. So do you guys uh, if you're going to have a flashback, do you guys tie it into what's happening at the time? For example, um, you know uh, you know you have a, a rogue who who's having trouble picking a lock, and someone and someone's giving him a hard time about it, and then suddenly he has a flashback to you know his, you know school when he was learning lock picking and and his and his uh, his master was was beating him with a stick because he couldn't pick the lock. Damn uh, yeah. you, 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 you maggot! It, it's you know. such a great way to <laughs> it's such a great way to narrate uh, skill checks. Like yeah, and I I have a video on this and I've done it a lot with my home group that I used to have. Not so much online, but I, I think I've done mm-hmm. it a couple times. Where if someone uh, is, you know. What was the? Uh, I think in, in the video I gave uh, a reference to. Uh, they hear a, a certain monster growl somewhere, and they're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I want to, I want to roll nature to see if I can tell what kind of monster that is." And they <laughs> rolled and they succeeded. So we mm-hmm. narrated a flashback about how they were hunting with their father. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. then saw that monster or something, and then so that flashback kind of that narration that that sort of cinematic technique told them, "Yeah, it's an owl bear or something." Yeah. You know? Right. Very which cool. which I, I should we should I should definitely do that more because yeah. I yeah I think that's a really cool <laughs> well thing. And, all, and all that takes is yeah. a few seconds I mean just you know yep. twenty or thirty seconds to narrate that little yeah. aside you know you don't have to take a ton of time away from the narrative the, yeah. the hard part for me is remembering too yeah <laughs> you know it's like because it. I get I get caught up in the story I get caught up with what we're doing and and I and I sometimes just don't think of it. It's like, you know, this in hindsight or when we're talking like this, say, oh, man, you know, I, I could have done this at that point and right. it would have been awesome. Yeah. So, it, yeah, part, part of the battle is sort of reminding yourself to use these tools, maybe putting the a cheat sheet, you know, <laughs> don't forget the flashbacks. Don't forget the flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Written in, in Sharpie on your prep notes, don't forget right. the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, another thing on our list is dream sequences. Yeah, mm. which I think can be used in a very similar way to a flashback. Yeah, very yeah. similar. Yeah, I think though mm-hmm. that for some reason, and I could it could just be me on this. So I want to check with you guys. Dream sequences feel like they're more difficult because it feels a little more GM feeding you. A what little you're bit. To yeah, know. it can. Yeah, it can be. Uh, I yeah. I've used dream sequences to give the players information that I think they should have or foreshadow things that are going to be happening. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, the reason why I like dream sequences is because you can hop around and like Mm -hmm. go wherever you want with it uh, and not feel like, okay, I need to let this scene play out or whatever. It's like, no, I can, I can show, I can flash images at you. You guys see the silhouette of a dragon. You see a silver blade you see, you know, and just flash these images at them yeah. uh, in order to get across, you know, some, some imagery that I'd like for them to kick, to bear in mind, you know, mm-hmm. one of my favorites is in Horde of the dragon queen. Uh, there's a, a dream sequence or a vision where you see, I yeah. can't remember the exact number. You see like 16 oh, yeah. eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there are eight dragons or something. And that's yeah. like, well, that, that, well, that's one of the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Oh, crap. Uh, um, one of the crap. <laughs> <laughs> one of the oh, the, oh my god. 
the, the name of what it's called. What, what are the aspects of your character? But you, uh, your oh, bond. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They, 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 gave, they gave you options as, of bonds. And it was, it was I, thought, I thought that was brilliant because it's a way to automatically tie the, the player characters into the story. Yep. You know? Right. Because you know, as GMs, you know it's it's you know you want to get the characters invested in the adventure you've made, but you know how do you do that without railroading? This is an awesome way to do that. You know, having yeah. that sort of that sort of vision. You know, so a vision can be used to start an adventure. You know, right. uh, uh, where right. they where they all the characters have this collective vision, or one of them has a vision and shares it with his friends. Um, visions don't have to necessarily be a. Uh, uh, you know, plot. You know, massive plot exposition from the GM too. They can be to build tension. Yeah. You know, like I, I had a in one of my campaigns, I had a vision of they uh, the characters were heading into a really bad area with these uh, rather uh, nasty people, and these people were cannibals basically, and and so they would, um, uh, and so they start as they were getting closer, all all this this these horrible things that had happened happened to all these people, sort of hung in the air. Like a miasma, just sort of a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a spiritual vapor that they they start they started to infect their dreams and they started to experience or at least see what some of these people went through, and so it it sort of began to build the tension as these dreams get kept getting more and more intense, and so by the time they actually met these people and they saw this you know this person wearing this these uh, these same clothes with this the same medallion, and they're like oh it's it's him from the dream you know the you know it's like they were. You're freaked out, right? So that's you know awesome. you, you 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 so you can use these these dream sequences, you know. It was a little bit of plot exposition, but it was also to build tension because by the time they they actually met the person, you know they were they were, you know, terrified on edge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I, I think other than that, I mean, flashbacks and dream sequences are really uh, kind of in line. And I, but but mm-hmm. you know, there's you know, flashbacks are kind of in a way, kind of pigeonholing, like you're talking about a character's past. Really good way yeah. to spotlight a certain mm-hmm. player at the table. Dream sequences, like you were just talking about, Alex, there are a lot of different ways to use these. You can use them mm-hmm. to show exposition about your world. You can use them to build tension about a certain character, to foreshadow something that's coming. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and, you know, especially when you're inside of a fantasy setting like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or Numenera or whatever, you can use these to your heart's content and it's normal. Right. Yeah. So, you know, um, and uh, is there any way, do you think, to overdo it? Like, uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is monologues. This is kind of in line with that. Is there any way to do it so the GM isn't monologuing the entire freaking game? Well, I, I love to have characters do their own stuff. Well, especially with the if it's if it's a uh, if it's a flashback, mm-hmm. I always prefer if the players do their own characters flashback. Yeah, you know, um, have have them come up with it. You know, because obviously they're they're, they're experts on their own characters. So, you know, um, uh, you know, t- you can talk to them ahead of time, saying, you know, we'll we'll do this we'll do this kind of flashback uh, about your character. So give them some time to sort of think about it and put something together, and and then, so you know, just so you're not springing it on them because it could be tough for a player to suddenly just like, and flashback go, what? right? Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. Yeah, I I like to start with the words you see, like you're just describing mm-hmm. something. Like yeah. they just walked into a tavern. You'd describe yeah. it the same way, right? Uh, one of the things, actually, going back to flashbacks, that I think is really important is the transition not necessarily into the flashback because i think maybe the more abrupt the better but Mm -hmm. when you're coming out of it you should try to transition it ease it back into the story like maybe someone saying let's say the character's name is charles you know you there maybe it's a flashback about charles's father and you hear the word charles 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 and you snap yeah. to and one of the other characters is saying your name or yeah. you know mm-hmm. uh, Nymeria was having her flashback running through the woods and the woods changed into the woods of where her character was in present day and as she was running through them so yeah. like transitioning back is I think is uh, super important to create this immersive feel yeah I always have Absolutely. fun with the transition back into the you know present timeline or into the real world or however you're doing it it's mm-hmm. always really fun 
What are, what are some of the things you've done, Matt? Oh, I, I love the whole, you know, someone's saying their name and they come back to it or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I think, I think my favorite one I did was actually Brasswick's flashback in the Provokers game mm-hmm. where someone was saying, you know, Brasswick, and it, he just shook his head and he was in the middle of a combat with a troll. Like he was having a flashback during a combat encounter with this mutant <laughs> two-headed troll and you know Erdon's like Brasswick you know like we need That's your awesome. help <laughs> this thing this thing's killing us just swinging its club back and forth yeah That's awesome that's like that's you know half in media res Yeah know? yeah Yeah Well and it's like the you know saving private Ryan this sound coming back after the grenade goes off the mm-hmm. you know just kind of that like oh now back into action you know yeah, right. that's a really good way to put it too. Yeah. <laughs> you just hear the ringing in your ears until <laughs> yeah. until they mess with the, yeah yeah the, yep. they allow the uh, the the high pass filter back in. Anyway. Yep. So we have monologues here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's something that I that I don't often give enough. And personally, I don't give enough. Uh, space to or you know um allowance for is a character giving their own monologue and mm-hmm. i know that's that's a it's, it's actually a really sometimes i'll do it at the end of a one shot you know mm-hmm. like tell me how your character lives the rest of their life type of thing yeah you know? but um what do you guys think is a good way to use monologues inside of a you know a role-playing game i mm. i think of monologues as less in like Shakespearean terms where it's a character having a dialogue with themselves and more like, like a good example is, uh, you know, during a combat, uh, it's the character's turn and they're doing something simple like moving and swinging their sword. But during their turn, they say, you know, my grip tightens on the hilt of my sword, my family's sword. Mm. And as I look down and I feel the familiar weight of it and I feel the heft of it, you know, I think back to, uh, you know, my father teaching me how to swing this sword, and I think back to, uh, you know, all of the lives that this sword has saved and all of the people that it has protected, and I'm I'm spurred to charge forward and use this sword to again protect someone and protect my friends. You know, it's it's like yeah. they get a little moment in the spotlight, almost like a it's yeah. it's more like a. Um, like a soliloquy you know it's like yeah. boom, spotlight on you for 45 <clears throat> seconds you know do whatever you want with it and it's taking something mundane like picking a lock attacking with your sword drinking a beer mm-hmm. and it just gives you a moment to have a little character moment something to yeah characterize your your character that sounds like a good way to describe your character at the beginning of a game oh absolutely yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think at the beginning of a set uh, beginning of a game um once in a session and then like like you were saying barker at the end of a campaign or one shot or something like that like i had that at the end of a a long campaign where you know we just sort of had each you know player describe what happened to their character in the years following you know the end of the war so you know what they did with themselves where they went and um and a lot of it was they just improvised and it was kind of cool to see where they went with it and you know one of them just you know uh, vanished into the into into you know nowhere and just was never heard from again that sort of thing and others went on to do you know do more with their lives that sort of thing so um, the the use in combat like uh, you were saying Matt without that one really would have to be used sparingly because if you did it like every oh if you did it every swing, turn you'd be like God yeah. this guy <laughs> oh, God. yeah just take your turn okay okay <laughs> we get it your character's deep. Come you know, on, man. Uh, say, say. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay to just say, I swing my sword. That's we right. Your character's deep. Oh, we man. get it. Jesus. No, but for well, sure. So, that, well, and that's what I was yeah. talking about at the beginning is like, it's you got to use the right tool for the right job. Yeah. You know, like don't, don't well, hammer away yeah. with that crowbar, man. Well, you know, you wait for that, you know, a critical hit, for example, or you yeah. wait for the, the killing swing, or you wait for the first... You know the first swing on on you know the big bad guy that you've been pursuing for you know half a campaign or something like that. You know, right? You wait till that moment when it means something, when it would mean something to your character, where you know where it makes sense to have that they would have this this internal dialogue or 
a flashback or whatever it happened to be. Right. You know, the timing of the, the setting, the timing of those is, is critical. And, uh, with experienced players, they, they can kind of do it on their own, but, um, sometimes a GM can sort of step in and say, you know, what, you know, what, you know, and, and doesn't have to say, uh, begin soliloquy now, but they can say, (laughs) initiate soliloquy. (laughs) 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 But they can say, so, you know, uh, so what's, what's going through, what's going through, you know, Bob's mind as he, as he, uh, attacks this, this villain who is, who has slain his father, who, you know who kidnapped his family, and you know, you know what is what is what is going through his mind, and then that can inspire the player to sort of go off into this uh, sort of um, description of their their inner feelings. Why right. did they name me Bob? <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> well, it has so cool. It has a silent U and Z in it, so it's okay. <laughs> B O U apostrophe uh. Z B. <laughs> Bob, it's it's pronounced Bob. <laughs> There's probably a hyphen in there. Um, I think that's a really good idea. And I remember one time, uh, Matt, you were running a one-shot game uh, in your uh, homebrew world of Aranoth where everyone played assassins for like the mm-hmm. Assassins Guild. And that's exactly how you kicked off your game: is you had every player soliloquy. Yeah. Or describe, tell a story about how they assassinated a certain person. Yeah. And that was just so cool because everyone, because, okay, for multiple reasons, but namely Mm -hmm. because it showed uh, every other player, showed you, showed the people who were watching, because a lot of people watch uh, games on YouTube now, uh, Mm -hmm. who these individual characters were and how they were different just based on the different ways that they would kill somebody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and uh, uh, Nathan Kaplan's character sang oh, a song. God. I mean, he sang a song. <laughs> he rocked the dead guy to sleep. <laughs> it was it was amazing. And yeah, I mean, that's a real, especially in a one shot, it's a really good way to like mm. introduce, you know, four or five characters in a very short amount of time, but yeah. also get a lot from those characters. Yeah, that that was really cool. I just remember that. Um, that was just so awesome. I, I don't think I've, I'm going to try doing this more. This is, you know, every once in a while we'll record an episode of roll up and die and I'll find something that I'll be inspired, you know, to try <laughs> something different. And, and that's a, that's a cool way to do it. Just yeah. hand over the microphone and just say, go nuts, you know, with your character. <laughs> right. You know, just on a, on a, on a short, uh, aside, I was, I was listening to one of our episodes, uh, uh, the other day, and 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 I'm listening to it, and 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 I heard this idea. It's like, oh wow, that that's a great that's a great idea. Wait, that's me saying it. You're like, I'm gonna use that. Oh wait, I already did. <laughs> oh wait, I'm gonna steal that idea. <laughs> you don't have to. You already own a third of it, Alex. Really, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh man. But it's uh, I, guess, I guess the point of that though is 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 it's easy to forget. These 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 things that we say, even 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 we don't always use them. You know, we, we don't think of it until we're sitting down and actually thinking about using them that we remember to use them sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So so, um, you know, trying trying to come up with a, a trick to remind yourself to use all these little uh, these these tools. Remind yourself that you have the tools. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to add something else to our list of things that we're supposed to talk about. Okay. Excellent. Because we're, you know, obviously we're talking about flashbacks and visions mm-hmm. and stuff like that and monologues, but, you know, our title is Cinematic Techniques. Yeah. And I don't think this question got the most likes when, when it gets to answering a question, but they brought up a good point that, you know, cinematic techniques makes you think of film and cameras and mm-hmm. stuff. And I am a big fan, especially in a setting like Star Wars. Of mm-hmm. using words like the camera pans to the left, you know, mm-hmm. or we zoom in to, you know, almost like you're you're not painting a scene, you're painting a, a screen that the players are all watching. Right. Do you guys ever do this? Yeah, I I do, and I 
I used to intentionally veer away from using words mm. like camera or pan or zoom. Yeah. But I find that the way that we visualize things and the way that we think about things, the way we imagine things is often in a cinematic way where we're panning and zooming and, and looking at things as we would while watching yeah. TV or watching a movie. And so yeah. I'm more comfortable with it now, but it is one of those things where I'm not going to do it all the time. But if I'm trying yeah. to set up a scene, if I'm trying to introduce something, you know, the camera pans yeah. over the dunes of the desert, you know, and we find our party trudging through the desert, you know, something like that. But um, I think it's useful. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's useful when used correctly and used sparingly, I feel like. It, it makes sense. I mean, that 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 is our primary medium of uh, that we get our stories from these days. I mean, most people, you know, uh, some people read still and, and I do and other people do, I'm sure. But, uh, but our primary I, source I of, watch of, my books. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> our prim- well, even, even listening to audio books yeah. can be different, but I mean, just the, a lot of people get their entertainment through movies and television. So now our, our primary medium is, is this, um, is cinema. Right. And yeah. so, um, putting it in the, put you know, putting it in that context, can help people can can actually help immerse people. Yeah, I do tend I, like you were saying, Matt. I do tend to avoid using the term camera, but I might say, you know, the scene pans left, or yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. your vision sort of your your vision sort of pulls back to encompass the room, and you see the the you know the bigger picture, and and mm-hmm. and then I sort of describe what's happening. So, I you can kind of get the the same visual idea across without necessarily mentioning camera or. Uh, or lighting or yeah. uh, absolutely I, I think yeah. just using yeah. the word camera like you were talking about Alex that alone is you know breaking the last wall that's saying yeah. you know that's breaking immersion in a way <clears throat> right yeah and uh it, it, I was thinking about it a lot today because you know Matt and I have been talking about different Star Wars games that we're thinking about running and Star Wars especially the intro scenes of every session that's a place where I would use the word camera Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because every Star Wars movie starts in a similar way, where yeah. the text, which would be me reading to the players, yeah. uh, then the camera pans through the stars to mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. and and I think, you know, I, that's kind of the conclusion that I came to, and I just wanted to hear what you guys thought about it. That it's a good way to you to show the players a scene that's happening somewhere else, mm-hmm. a scene that they're maybe not involved with. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. the villain's yeah. starship or, you know, a place where, you know, it, I think the villain is a great, uh, great th- uh, thing to show uh, the players because the characters, you know, if you show a scene with the villain planning to kill the characters, you know, the characters don't necessarily know that that's happening. Right. Yeah. But the players do. And that kind of creates that intensity. And if you well, use and- the word camera there, <laughs> I think it kind of helps separate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you can kind of combine these things too, like, um, when you were talking about that saying, uh, all right, so let's say you paint a scene where uh, you have this 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 villain who, uh, you know, is is uh, walking into a village and he's looking for something. So he, he's he's like slaughtering people and he grabs, you know, one of the village elders in his in his, you know, grab you know, lifts him off the ground and is and is yelling in his face, you know. And and you, you you know you describe to the characters they can't necessarily hear what he's saying, but because uh, he's speaking in a, in a in a foreign tongue, and so you go through this whole scene, you know, and then and then and then you know you could say the camera pans or the scene pans, whichever you want to use, to you know uh, a seacoast with a great fleet, and then the person wakes up. In, in a pool of sweat, so it, it was a dream sequence. Right. So they wake up, you know, but it, but it's foreshadowing, you know, what's coming up, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that nice. kind of great introduction. And I actually just checked the questions on our Facebook page, and mm-hmm. that actually was the one with the most questions. But it was actually. Oh. <laughs> well, so we'll take a second question after this. But the question was, yeah. how do you avoid using the word camera? <clears throat> and uh, Alex, I think you gave a couple of really great examples. You know, we, we zoom in to, you know, we pull, you know, the, you see is my favorite, you know. Yeah. 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 And I, li- I like using the, the pronoun we, too, because it involves all of the players. It involves the dungeon master. And if, if you're running a game online, sure. it, it might involve, you know, the people watching as well. So, yeah, exactly. I like that. We, yeah, we start our game mm-hmm. you know, in the town of blankety blank. Right. Where people get shanked. 
You gotta stay away from blankety blank, man. Oh my gosh. That's, That's a hot, rough but... town. <laughs> yeah, I got my bike stolen there. <laughs> oh man. Did it have a full tank? It did. I'm just trying to rhyme with yeah. blank. Right. It's so bad. Yeah, I know. Let's let's yeah. take a question. Now those rhymes were pretty dank. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. They were pretty dank rhymes. <laughs> okay, so um, all right, Matt, we got Craig M's question. We already did that with the word camera. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We got Matt S. <clears throat> uh, there's another Matt here. Uh oh, there can be only one. <laughs> Asks, <laughs> says, mass combat with large armies can be difficult. Uh-huh. How can you do mass combat cinematically to make it exciting while keeping the players engaged? And having a part in the battle themselves. Hmm. I always, I, uh, well, I'm gonna, you know, toot Barker's horn here and say there's a supplement called Be a Better Battle Master on AbsoluteTabletop.com that's uh, really good with, you know, how to do this. But I would say, you know, focus on the small conflicts within a battle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the little thing, you know, we have to take that catapult down. We have to defend the portion of this wall. We have to, uh, you know, get to the ballista and shoot that dragon down. But while those things are happening, while the, you know, PCs are completing these objectives or going on these little missions, um, you know, describing the battle as a whole. As you, as you run over yeah. the wall, you see the battle below you and you see the smoke rising from... You know, the burning bodies as the oil is being poured mm-hmm. down and you see men going down with arrows sprouting from their chests and their heads and stuff like that. You know, just mm-hmm. taking every yep. opportunity you can uh, to describe, you know, the grand scale of the battle to really drive home that the PCs are involved in something much, much bigger than themselves. Yeah. In those supplements, like if, uh, if it's one of my supplements, I'll say, you know, Matt, Tim or, you know, the other guys write something up like a breakout box. Tell me how you would do it, and we'll put it in the supplement in a little nice box, uh, just like someone else's perspective. And something that Tim and James from Tabletop Terrors put in that exact supplement uh, that that I never really thought about, but I definitely am now all the time, is, you know, watch uh, watch a film. Like, uh, watch the Battle of Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, right? And, uh, yeah. and, and pay attention to what the point of view is Mm -hmm. because what it'll do is it'll swap from uh, a a close-up of the characters fighting to a close-up of other people fighting that aren't the characters to Mm -hmm. a kind of a sky view view the entire battle as a whole and it then it'll kind of repeat you know it'll go back and kind of keep repeating and try that out you know yeah the during the initiative order you know you're zooming in to the players, uh, characters, as they uh, accomplish specific tasks, like Matt right. said, you know, we're going to uh, take this uh, ballista and turn it on our enemies, mm-hmm. you know, very specific things. And then when that initiative order ends, zoom out a little bit, again, just like Matt just said, and showcase the battle as a whole as if it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're designing a, a, a situation like that, ideally you want your player characters to be in 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 the the sort of linchpin of the whole situation yeah you know you you want them to be able to their their actions will hopefully decide the outcome Mm -hmm. you know whatever that happens to be you know like uh this this battle's raging and it all depends on um something happening and it's their job to make sure that happens and then you then it's pretty easy to focus on them i mean if you if you look at any uh like you were saying look at films like uh battle of the five armies it's really easy picking out who the player characters are because, right. you know, you um, when uh, when 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 uh, when Thorin and the rest were were heading up to uh, to go after, um, you know, uh, uh, crap, I lost his name. Uh, is um, it Azog? Azog, yeah, yeah. They, so the, the, so they the, they were going to take him on. Obviously, that that's 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 the party. Right. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, going, they're going to take cut off the head of the snake. So, yeah, while the battle is uh, raging below them. Exactly. So you see the battle going on, you know, the bats arrive, the eagles arrive, you know, you're yeah. seeing all this stuff happening. But your job is to take on this guy. Right. You know, and so, and that's going to help decide, 
yeah you know what what direction this takes yeah but and that even still you know even though there's other stuff going on that's a critical thing you know if that mm-hmm. person doesn't die then the whole battle is for naught you know so it's yeah. you know uh, i think um you know the trick is uh to put you know multiple different things inside of the battle that are important and then have yeah. the characters choose what they want absolutely to do. yeah that that brings up one little extra thing that i was thinking about earlier which was um when you're thinking in terms of, of cinematic, uh, you know, you also want to kind of think of that in terms of when you design your adventure or campaign, mm-hmm. because that's, you know, that's the movie yeah. right, that you're that you're showing. And so, I mean, a lot of GMs sort of do it already. You know, they, they have I, they have thoughts of, well, we need this big climax that sometimes they call it the, you know, fighting the big bad guy. Sometimes they call it fighting the boss or whatever, you know, term they prefer to use. But ultimately, you know, you're still following this sort of, you know, literary or cinematic structure where, you know, you know, or uh, some people use like the uh, the hero's journey, for example, which is very common in a lot of adventure mm-hmm. stories. But you, you end you end you still end, ultimately end up with this climax. And so that in itself is very cinematic, even if people don't sort of think of it that way when they're when they're building it. That's a really good point, man. The adventures, uh, the, excuse me, the hero's journey. I love yeah. that's. We were just talking. I was just talking about that with my wife today. That the archetype stories, the basic stories yeah. that everyone that that have been told over and over again, those are my favorite stories yeah. because sure. those just hit me every single time. Even though, even if I know what's going to happen, it's just like, for me, they're just tear jerkers in a way yeah. mm-hmm. because I can relate and. And that's just personally, but yeah, what a great way to make your game cinematic, period, just by yeah. throwing in those, you know, archetypes, those round character arch- character archetypes. Yeah. Well, and yep. just, I mean, those are all of those, those aspects, those archetypes are, that's all carnal, primordial storytelling. You know, that's, I mean, yes. that's stuff that's been around for, you know, thousands of years. And so when you utilize those things in new mm-hmm. and interesting ways. I mean, that's how you, that's how you have a, a compelling story that really hits people like you're saying, Barker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just read uh, anything by Joseph Campbell about, uh, you know, mythology. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a great book called King warrior, magician lover, which yeah. is uh, talks about male archetypes, but it could easily be applied to, you know, female characters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's, there's a lot of great, uh, information on mythology out there, uh, both uh, the archetypes, like you were saying, Barker, or you know specific myths and, and and legends that you could sort of tap into and look at look at how they're structured, see how see how they're they're built, and and uh, uh, you know movies today are still built in much the same way. Good ones are anyway. Yeah, yeah, and read uh, read the Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph yep. Campbell. Uh, that is like, I, as far as I'm concerned, that's the one that is the most. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, has the most going for it in terms of archetypes and stuff. And mm-hmm. read uh, "Save the Cat" by Blake Snyder. And mm-hmm. I'm serious. That is a it's a book on screenwriting. But even if you're not a screenwriter, <laughs> it is uh, the it's it's got some it's got some good advice. Awesome. I'm I'm writing that down right now, Barker. Cool. And that and that is a that is a good uh, a pro tip too. If if uh, look online for videos on um, on screenwriting. Yeah, you know, yeah. On, on, TED Talks, be, because yeah. TED because that's storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, things, anything to do with storytelling, anything to do with uh, screenwriting, uh, uh, that sort of you know building stories, those are going to help you as a GM to create these these amazing stories that that, that are going to resonate with your players. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're supposed to create an idea that the people, the people, can steal. <laughs> I love calling I mean, them I, the people. I, I just, I just saw you standing on this great balcony overlooking you know this this, this is the, crowd of people. The people, people. We have brought you the common the people, people something we you can steal. Steal. Oh, steal. Oh, <laughs> it's got to be something just like yeah, diminished like that music. <laughs> Put on your Reeboks, kids. We're creating an idea you can steal. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this is going to be difficult, but I think we should probably, I don't know, we want to create a flashback. What do you guys want to do? Hmm. Ooh, 
yeah, how do we do this? Yeah, yeah this, this is a hard one. We could, um, I think, if we, I mean, unless you guys have other ideas, we could maybe try to create a flashback or some sort of dream sequence that is plug and play that any listener could, like, grab and just throw into their game. Yeah, sure. Mm. Like, we each come up with, like, here's an important aspect of something that you could include in, like, a flashback. Yeah, I think so. And in the process, maybe make a flashback ourselves. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, it's hard because they're, they're so uh, specific to your story. Yeah. Well, mm. let's try it. Yeah, why not? What the hell? All right, so I'm one through four. I'm rolling. Get off that throne, Matt. Damn it! I had my dice all ready to go. No, no, I got mine, man. I'm it's, gonna roll. It, I'm gonna roll it. Just, so, just I gotta so roll it on my new desk, man. I got. I mean, desk. roll it, but I'm gonna do it too. <clears throat> it's gonna we'll roll average, less. We'll it's gonna feel like numbers. it's that's got all. less. Okay, that's what we'll do. We'll average the numbers. <laughs> no. Which will mean it'll land on whoever's the second. I don't think this is good. Okay, so I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I'm one through four. Alex, you're going to be five through eight, and Matt, you're the other four numbers. Okay. And that is a 12. So, Matt, you go first. What are we making? Oh, okay. So, this is a, a flashback. Was that a burp, Matt? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, that was a fart. No, I, was, I scooted forward in my chair and made a grunting sound because I'm out of shape. Matt, <laughs> the people, Matt. Oh, is this? Are we recording this? <laughs> We're recording this. This is a do podcast you guys, that you do. Okay. Do you guys put this up every week? Yeah, uh, no, I thought we no, were no, just no. hanging it's, out. And it's talking. just for us. No, oh, no, no, okay, no. Okay. It's, Good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I've been Go on. I've been farting a lot on this podcast. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> got him. I'm dying. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So anyway, uh, <sighs> we're creating a flashback for a player character, and. Um, uh, the flashback starts, so we're going to go chronologically, we're going to keep it very simple. Uh, we're going to go as far back as their childhood, and we're going to introduce one of their character quirks. So let's say that this character um, has a scar on their chin. Right, and that's always been a part mm-hmm. of their character, and they haven't really talked about how it got there. But in the flashback, we established that uh, he was learning how to shoot a bow from his father, and uh, fumbled with it, and uh, drew the string back in an odd way, an odd angle. And when the bow went off, it snapped and hit him in the chin and split his chin open. And uh, he always remembers, like, the look of disappointment on his father's face that he screwed up with this bow because his father is, like, a really renowned hunter. Um, And so using the flashback in the childhood to establish how Mm -hmm. a character got some sort of physical or personality quirk. Yeah. Awesome. That's a – okay, cool. I like that. That's exactly what we should be doing, coming up with something specific while simultaneously giving something plug and play. Okay, cool. All right. Nice. Um, So that is – uh, seven, which is you, Alex. But actually, first, okay. let me ask a question. Uh, do sure. you want Alex to come up with a dream sequence or build off of that flashback? Uh, I don't know. Maybe build off of the okay. flashback, I guess. Yeah, I yeah I'll, you I do can. what you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll build off that. So um, we, we can take it a bit further into character development because we've already kind of touched on, you know, this this physical trait. Um, and... Uh, what you what, uh, they you 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 skip a, a little bit further, and uh, uh, you see this uh, this young boy with this with the with this cut on his face, uh, and the father sort of braiding him as he's walking into the uh, to the keep, um, uh, and you see this uh, this boy's younger brother, who is uh, um, uh, sort of sitting in the shadows watching as, as, as they go by. And, uh, he, uh, the, the older brother who just, you know, uh, has got the cut on his chin turns to his younger brother and sort of, you know, uh, looks at him and gives him a smile and a nod. And, uh, uh, you realize, uh, he, he really, he, you can realize through the story that, um, the older brother deliberately, failed the test because the younger brother was always being uh, abused by the father because he wasn't as good as his older brother. Mm. And so he was uh, protecting his younger brother by uh, by doing that. Oh, nice. The twist. Cool. 
yeah. the twist. Yeah. And I was, I was about to say, you know, I'm about to do the third one, but I think what's something that I do quite a few times is mm-hmm. I take a, a note from TV shows like Lost or Battlestar Galactica, and mm-hmm. I would take these three flashbacks and scatter them throughout the session. Ooh, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. So we got uh, mats, which was you know a flashback to showcase a physical feature or um, a what was the word you used? A, a quirk. A quirk. Or, uh, yeah, quirk. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Quirk, yeah. Uh, the second one could be a, a, a twist or something to to do with uh, their family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the third one. That's me. Uh, good odds is I'm gonna say this is something that I would want to do. Mm-hmm. Is I would take your villain, and if the villain is way too fantastical to be seen in a flashback like this, I would take the villain's henchman, like the, the a very smart, maybe intelligent person, and I would introduce them in the flashback as someone who at that time during the flashback was not the villain, but was someone with interests. Uh. To show that they have a past, so maybe in this case, mm-hmm. um, uh, the villain might be uh, the person who uh, has another son who is uh, just acing his hunting lessons, mm-hmm. and so uh, and is just kind of like a Severus Snape type character, just snide and. Uh, no, a, a good, a better example would be uh, Lucius Malfoy. Is that a, Lucius's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. That kind of character. And now you have two villains. You have him, and you have his son. And so I would, I would find some way to in, to show the villain in a flashback during a time in their life mm-hmm. when they were just an asshole. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe have oh. him be a jerk to the guy's father or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the cool thing is this whole flashback could be triggered. By seeing this 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 villain for that the first guy. time, really heard yeah, about, yeah. and and they and they they recognize him. They see it, you know they see him for the first time. It's like, I know you. Yeah. And then you have the flashback. Yeah, that's uh, perfect. And what you might consider doing is this: talk to your player beforehand. Yeah. And be like, okay, so I know that you uh, have this scar on your chin. I know that you have talked about how you've had a little brother, uh, and I know that you, uh, and and that's it. And say there are. A couple things i want you to do in this session and it doesn't you know whenever you want but at one point i'd like you to notice your chin and at another point i want you to um think about your brother mm-hmm. or something like that yeah. and then introduce the flashback during the game after you've talked to the player and surprise them with this cool story that you've come up with just based on their character's traits yeah, yeah. like as they appear it's- it definitely requires a high level of trust between the players and GM too, Absolutely. because you you have you, you know the the players have to trust you that whatever sort of back you know whatever you're going to add to their backstory is going to be consistent and cool and 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 fit in with everything. Yeah, and, you know you have to trust the player that they're not going to you know come up with something that is just going to you know ruin your campaign. That's a yeah. Good point. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it definitely requires a uh, a good a good relationship between the group and that can be established you know ahead of time even you know just talking about it and discussing this is the kind of campaign we want to have so you know keep this in your mind right yeah i I think that's a really good idea and it it, i actually take it for granted that i've had so much good Mm -hmm. luck with uh uh, gms yeah because you know you're right there are a lot of players and gms that you know, all right, game time. Here, read this 30-page packet about my character. And it's like, yeah. you know, I have no problem with that, and a lot of people really enjoy that. But that's just not what I find fun. You know, I want to develop the story. You know, I, wanna, I want yeah. you to show me the story, not tell me the story. And so, yeah, that's a really good point. Trust uh, among the players and the GM is super important when you're doing something like well, this. And that's what you said brought up a good point, too, to sort of, uh, to sort of wrap that up is, um, you know, make sure that, whatever sort of cinematic game you want to run if you want it to be more you know really movie like or if you want it to be very more a lot more subtle you know uh, discuss it ahead of time so that so that you know the players and the GM and everyone's on the same page so that you're all kind of working toward the same goal otherwise it's just going to be a lot harder with you you know people going to be pulling and pushing against each other to you know to have it the way they want or or envision it and it's just not going to happen so yeah. You know, you want to make sure that everyone is, uh, you know, has the same vision in mind. For sure. Yeah, team game, man. Team game. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that was an awesome episode. I really enjoyed 
uh, personally, this is one of those where I'm like, oh, I want to create this Star Wars game that I'm, you know, thinking about doing. So, <laughs> yeah, super pumped. Um, thank you guys for okay. uh, doing this podcast with me, and thank everybody who's listening. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Roll Up and Die and click the like button and you'll see our posts uh, for on a week-to-week basis when we record on Mondays or Tuesdays. Uh, otherwise, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And stay frosty. Frosty. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2016. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.